Hi, and welcome to Christian Life Fellowship. My name is Pastor John, and this is the recording from Sunday, May 23rd. Well, I have a piece of chalk here. So those at the back, you can't see what I'm doing. I'm just going to, you know, those at home, I'm, I made sure that you can see too. I'm going to draw, draw, just draw a quick circle here. Oh, uh, all right. I'm hoping that some of you guys at the back can't see. I just drew a circle and chalk on the ground. Now, I know what you're thinking, like, why would you draw a circle on the ground? That doesn't make any sense. I don't understand. Well, let me, let me explain it to you here. What if I told you that I needed five people? I don't actually need five people because that's definitely not COVID safe. Um, what if I told you I needed five people to come stand in this circle and the last person to leave is going to get $100? How long would you wait for? realistically. I don't know. I think probably for most of us, we'd be like, yeah, you know, an hour, right? It's a hundred dollars. It's not, we're not talking like we're not breaking the bank here, right? At a hundred dollars. Now, let me ask you the question. Same thing, five people. But what if I told you for every hour that you stood in there, you'd get a thousand dollars, but you would only get it if you're the last person to leave. What then? Well, I'll bet you anything. You guys would be like, oh, I'll do it. No, pick me, pick me, pick me right? Because at the end of the day, you'd probably come prepared. If you knew this was happening, you would come prepared for the long haul. I'm going to make it 24 hours standing in that circle. I'm going to win, right? Who feels like they could win a challenge like that? Stand in the circle the longest. Yeah, there's a couple of you to be like, yeah, I'd be in for that kind of a challenge. Now, what if I told you that I think that a lot of times we actually treat our relationship with Jesus Christ very similarly to the $100 mark rather than to the $1,000 mark? How many of you would agree with that? We treat our relationship with Jesus Christ in, in kind of in, in the Holy Spirit in, in a way that would say like, well, hey, if I, if I get blessed by God today, I'm good, right? If I get just a little bit, that's great. And if not, ah, it's only 100 bucks. What have I said? I think that a lot of times that's how we do it. And, and I'm including myself in that. Rather than planning, preparing, and coming ready to actually receive a greater blessing. So today I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to do something at the end of this. We're going to pray. And I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to take off your spiritual pajamas and let's get back to the work of the Lord. So that's what we're going to be talking today. That's what everything that I'm going to be saying today is going to be wrapping around. Is I'm going to ask you to take off your spiritual pajamas and let's get back to the work of the Lord. Amen? So over this last year, I know for myself, this last 14 months has been incredibly difficult for me personally. I'm not sure how many of you feel like this last 14 months has been incredibly difficult. I know for myself, I have felt hurt and I have felt broken and I have felt just so sad. I mean, I can actually recall just recently that I, I remember crawling under my desk and just weeping before God because my heart was so heavy at what I, was, what I felt like I was missing. I remember I was just, honestly, I was just so broken in that moment. How many of you feel like that? How many of you felt joy and you felt sorrow and you felt excited and you felt just, just absolutely broken in this time? Yeah, there's a few of you here, hey? Now, I want to encourage you with something that I found just the most incredible encouragement is, is from Isaiah 40, verse 31. It says, those who wait on the Lord 
shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings of eagles. You shall run and not be weary, and you shall walk and not faint. Those who wait on the Lord. So keeping in mind that we're talking about taking off our spiritual pajamas and getting to the work of the Lord, today I'm going to talk to you about waiting on God. Now I know those things don't really feel like they make sense. They don't feel like they connect, do they? How can waiting and getting up and getting dressed be the same thing? Well, I actually, uh, we're, we're going to jump straight into that today. We're going to jump into Scripture, and it's going to talk about that. So we're actually going to go to Acts 2. So if anybody's got your Bibles with you or your phones or whatever you got, any kind of device, iPad, iPhone, iWallet, ICU, um, I want you to grab those out, and we're, we're going we're gonna to go through Acts 2, Acts 1, and Luke 24, the, just the last three verses. That's actually where we're going to be actually primarily pulling our Scripture from today. But... Today is Pentecost Sunday. Now, for some of you, I know you're thinking, like, I don't know what Pentecost Sunday means. It, I've heard the name, I've been to church on Pentecost, or I haven't, or maybe this is all brand new to me. That's okay. I'm going to explain it right now. Pentecost Sunday is actually a Greek word, penta, which means 50. That, simple as that. It's 50 days after Easter, Easter or Passover in the Jewish custom. So Pentecost is 50 days later. And it comes from a, a Jewish festival called the Shavuot, or the Feast of Weeks. And, and what it was is it was, a, it was a time of first fruits. So people would bring their first fruits, these, these like blessings that they wanted to give to God, the first of their harvest and, and first of the things they had. And they would bring it and they would sacrifice it to God as, as just like an honor, a way to honor God and, and give unto God their, their first fruits. Interestingly enough, just a little bit of history on Pentecost, Moses was actually given the, so back in the Old Testament, there's this guy named Moses, and he was given the law, so the Ten Commandments, most of us know that term, the Ten Commandments, he was given the Ten Commandments in this very time period. Interesting, hey? And then in Jeremiah, I, okay, so just to give you a little bit of like line history, this is, always just blows my mind. Moses is at like very start of the Bible. And then there's this prophet Jeremiah, like probably a thousand years. I don't know the actual chronological history. A thousand years later, he says, Hey, there's gonna come a time when the law, the Ten Commandments, will be written on your heart. So the Ten Commandments were given at Pentecost to Moses. And then this guy, a thousand years later, says, Hey, they're gonna be written on your heart. And then a thousand years later. The Holy Spirit was poured out so that we could have the law written on our hearts on the same weekend. Isn't that fascinating? Anyways, there's my history for you. I always found that such a blessing because the law that was given to Moses and then told by Jeremiah that it would be written on your hearts was then the Holy Spirit was then poured out so that the, we actually could have the law inside of us through the Holy Spirit. Isn't that amazing? God doesn't do anything by accident. Not even you. So, in Acts 2, we read of these 120 disciples of Jesus Christ who had just recently, nine days earlier, they had watched Jesus go up into heaven. And then nine days later, they have this festival 
this this uh, this uh, um, place where they're worshiping Jesus. This <laughs> the I just said it so many times. Anyways, uh, the Shavuot, and they spend nine days waiting on God, and then and then during it, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit being God Himself as well, along with Jesus, pours out upon them. And you can read it through Acts 2. The Holy Spirit pours out upon them. And they're filled with the Holy Spirit. They're not just the Holy Spirit doesn't just come on them like it has in the past. It actually goes inside of them. And they, they have a testimony that they, they pour out. And they start speaking in other languages. And people start hearing Jesus, this, this love of Jesus Christ being poured out on people all over. Isn't that amazing? That's what happened this, like 2,000 years ago. That's what happened on this day. Is this spirit was poured out on people and they, and they prophesied and they spoke in tongues and people heard the message of Jesus Christ for the very first time ever. And here they are. They had 3,000 people come to Jesus in one day. They met Jesus for the very first time from all over the known world at that time. And they met Jesus for the first time. They met him for the first time. Here's the thing. We're not going to talk about that today, though. And here's why. I actually want to glean from these men and women who waited on God. I want to glean from them a truth. I want to glean from them, and I want to see why the position of their heart was more important than the blessing they received. The position of their heart was more important than the blessing they received. And I want to show you how and why we know that and we can see that. Because the blessing is beautiful. Don't get me wrong. The Holy Spirit pouring out is exactly what I would like in this community, in our entire city, every church to have the Holy Spirit pour out upon them. But if our heart is not in the right place, the position of our hearts matters. And I want to show you why. So if you've you got your Bibles, you can go to Acts 1. And we're going to jump in right there. And we're just going to read it because there's some, uh, some great things. Uh, so we're going to start at verse 6. It says, So when they met together, they asked him, that's Jesus, Lord, are you going up to restore the kingdom of heaven, uh, the kingdom of Israel? And he said, It is not for you to know the time and dates. Of course, he's talking about the end of everything. Everything will eventually end. So he says, it's not for you to know the time and dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. He says, you will receive these things. And just above that, in verse 4, he says, and I'm just paraphrasing this, he says, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait. He's telling him to Wait. For the gift that is uh, from the Father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So there's a couple things in here that I would just want to touch on. Um, first thing is Jesus says, "Don't wait. Don't, don't, don't leave. 
wait. Wait here. Wait in Jerusalem. Wait for this promise that's coming. Prepare yourself. Prepare your hearts. Stay here. And then he says a couple other things, even along the lines of what is going to happen, right? He gives them kind of what's going to happen. You're going to get a gift of Holy Spirit inside you that will give you power to be witnesses throughout the known world. And it's really amazing what Jesus says here because he also talks about the end, the very end of everything. Now we know the world will end eventually. Could be tomorrow, could be two weeks from now, or it could be 50 years from now. That's not for us to know, and that's what Jesus says here. But what does he say just before that? He says, wait. Not, not go out and do. He says, wait for the power. Because you will be a better witness with the power and presence of a living God inside of you than you could ever be on your own. He wants to pour that out into us and through us and with us. Now, I think a lot of times <laughs> we wonder, God, where are you? Where are you, God? But we treat them a little bit like, you know, a $100 gift. We get it, we get it, we don't, we don't. We kind of live in these two worlds at once, right? We're kind of living in one world that says, like, no, no, no. Like, I really want God, but I don't have the space to wait for him. I really want Jesus to do a work in my life, but I don't have the space to wait for him. I understand. I mean, I have two children under five. I have very little space. <laughs> but I'll be honest with you. Do you know what I do? I wake up at 6 o'clock regardless of the night. Regardless, my kids don't always sleep through the night because, you know, they're children. And I get up at 6 a.m. every morning just so I can spend time with God. Because that is so more important than sleep to me. It is so much more important than sleep. When I die, I'll sleep then. And I, I pray the Lord that I don't find that out soon. But it's so much more important to me. Sleep is nothing compared to Jesus. And so we have this, we have these people, and they are, they are waiting for the Father's business. So remember, we're talking about, I'm asking you today to get off your spiritual pajamas, get dressed, and be about the Father's business. Just to bring it back around, I want you to keep that in your mind as we're talking today. And then we move now to Luke 24. It's the last little bit, and this is where we're going to actually get our stuff from today. So feel free to pop over to Luke 24 if you have something with you. Um, and we'll read it, 24, verse 50, the last few verses in Luke 24. <clears throat> it says, when they had led out <clears throat> of the vicinity of Bethany, he, that being Jesus, lifted up his hands and blessed them. And while he blessed them, he was taken up into heaven. This is where Jesus ascends into heaven after he's raised to dead. Forty days after he was raised to life, he ascended into heaven. He lifted and he blessed them. Now we read in Luke 1 what he kind of blessed them with, right? 
And so now we're going back and understanding, because this three verses gives us a, a very direct insight to how we, as believers, can see the manifest presence of God in our own lives. <clears throat> and they were taken up into heaven, and he was taken up into heaven. And they worshipped him, and they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. So there's three things we're going to pull out of this today. The first one is that they worshipped a risen God. You and I today worship a risen Savior. He is not dead on a cross. He is raised to life from the grave. He is, he is new. He is not dead. He is alive. That we, you and I, us, we worship a risen Savior. He is alive. Can, can I get an amen? If you're new to church, that's just a way to say, I agree with you. That's okay. So, we, we worship a risen Savior. He is not dead, but alive. And here's the second thing that we can glean from these folks, is they got up and they got dressed every day and went about the Father's business. It's really just that simple. Get up and get dressed. You know, you show up at church this morning with your lawn chair, right? So the vast majority of us show up ready for church, right? I'm glad you all dressed today, to be honest. I'm really happy that you all decided to put on clothes today. And that you actually plan to be here. And what I mean by that is that often we don't plan for God we don't plan for Jesus in our lives. We don't set aside time. We don't get ourselves spiritually dressed and ready to receive from him. We kind of just wake up and hang out in our PJs and kind of go like, well, I mean, if he shows up, that's great. And don't get me wrong. There are times when we do that and God still shows up despite us. Not to spite us despite us. <laughs> Just to clarify there, I realized as I said that, ooh, God doesn't despise us at all. In spite of us, maybe is a better way of saying it. But they got dressed. And I know that seems really strange, but honestly, at the end of the day, it takes a very much a choice in my own personal life to get up at 6 a.m. to read my Bible and pray. It's like getting dressed. Getting up and getting yourself going. Getting up and making a plan for it to happen. Because I'll be honest with you, Jesus and serving Jesus is not always convenient. Jesus isn't convenient. <laughs> and I know that sounds really hard, but it's really not convenient to worship Jesus. You know what's convenient? Not going to work. <laughs> That's super convenient. Having a sleep-in, that's even more convenient. Who can agree a sleep-in is nice every once in a while, right? It sure feels good. But honestly, serving those with kids here are like, <laughs> when? Never. Um, but serving Jesus is not a convenient thing. And what I mean by that, it's not that it's, it's not that God wants to I don't know. I think sometimes we think God wants to just steal all of our time. That's not what he's trying to do. He actually likes the things you like. Surprise, surprise. He really does actually like what you like. 
what I mean when I say God is inconvenient is that it actually takes time for us to decide to get up and get dressed, make a plan. It's like it's premeditated. I'm planning to go here tomorrow, so there's things that I need. So if I'm planning on, let's say, going to the beach, well, hopefully I bring an umbrella because it's going to be hot. And I hope I bring sunscreen. Right? They planned. So when we look at these disciples here in Luke 24, what did they do every day? They got up and they got dressed and they went to the temple. They got up, they prepared themselves. They prepared themselves. So remember what we're talking about today. I'm asking you to get up, take off your spiritual pajamas, and let's get to the business of the Lord. To prepare ourselves, to get up and prepare ourselves. Now that doesn't mean, that doesn't always mean actually having to go somewhere. It's more of a metaphor. It's more of a metaphor, right? I'm not saying you have to be here. I'm not saying you have to be anywhere. But I will say, getting up and getting out of your house is definitely a good way of doing it. Getting up and showing up somewhere is actually really helpful because it sets your mind in a process, in a place where you are basically dedicating that time and space to God. How many of us maybe who, who, who worked here, when our, we're on our way to work, we're setting up our work mind, right? We're trying to download and get rid of all the, the family stuff that happened and we're trying, to, we're trying to, you know, to use the expression, log into that work side of our brain so that we can do our job well. Getting up and going somewhere actually helps you spiritually too. So when you get up and let's say, I don't know, 9 o'clock on Sunday mornings when we pray, when you get up and show up here at 9 o'clock to pray, you are setting up in your mind already that you are looking for something from God. And you're not going to give up until you get it. And it might take nine days, and it might take six years. But like the song we sang says, you are good. You are good regardless of our circumstance, it, the circumstance doesn't tell us whether he's good or not. He is good. And so there's this, there's this process, right? And so I'll actually encourage you and challenge you. So we have prayer at 9 o'clock. We don't have pre-service prayer. And I want to just say this out loud. What we do at 9 o'clock is not pre-service prayer. Prayer is not pre-nothing. Prayer is the show. I know we have this kind of idea that pre-service prayer is like, you know, it's a thing you do. You pray before a service because you want God to bless the service. Now, don't get me wrong. I was definitely praying that God was going to bless the service because, of course, we want that. But it's not pre-service prayer. There's no such thing. There's prayer, and that's it because prayer is the show because prayer is relationship with a living God. Does that make sense? Prayer is our communication. It is how we connect with God. Now, as an encouragement to you and a side note, and I hadn't planned on this, but I'll say it anyways, there is this uh, uh, brother, and we're learning this in our Alpha course, and I loved how he said it. There's this brother Luigi from Rome. Love the guy because he had a really good thing to say. He said three things for prayer. Keep it simple. When you're praying to God, keep it simple. If you can break down your prayer into one sentence, that's perfect. 
Keep it simple. Keep it honest. You don't have to be in the right mindset to pray. You don't have to get yourself in a right mindset to pray. You can pray when you're mad at something. You can pray when you're happy at something. And you can churn that emotion into a prayer. You don't have to be in the right space to pray or before you pray. So be honest. God, I am feeling angry right now. And then tell him why. Because you probably already texted your friend the same thing, right? It's basically the same idea. You already texted your friend. You might as well, you know, talk to God too. God, I'm feeling, uh, and here's why. And then keep doing it. Don't stop. Keep it simple. Keep it honest and keep it going. That's what prayer is. And then, of course, the third thing is that they stayed and they waited for a living God. They stayed and they waited. They stayed and they waited and they waited and then they waited and they waited some more. And I know that seems a lot. And to be honest, it's not easy to learn how to pray at first. It's not easy to learn how to connect to God and, and to learn how to do these things. It actually does take time. Imagine, the best way of explaining it is imagine you get a brand new piece of technology that you've never used before, okay? How long does it take you to figure out how to use that iPad or that iPhone? Sometimes, for some of us, it'll be like, oh, yeah, it's really intuitive. It makes so much sense. And other, uh, other of us are like, I'm ready to flush this thing down the toilet because I don't understand how I use this thing. Sometimes prayers like that. Sometimes you have to learn how to communicate with God, and that's okay. It might feel uncomfortable to start. You might be like, my fingers are too fat. I can't figure out how to text. I don't understand. How does this keyboard work? That's okay. Because God loves you in the process, and he actually wants to join you in that process. Anybody here sent a text by accident? Or, or had, like, words autocorrect? Yeah, God doesn't mind your autocorrect. He doesn't, when you send jumbled messages to God, he actually really does understand what you're trying to say. You don't always have to speak English. He gets what you're saying. He gets you. So the three things that we're talking about today is that they worshiped a risen God. Jesus is alive. He is not dead. The second one, again, is they got up and they got dressed every day and they waited. And the third one, sorry, is that they waited. So today is Pentecost, right? This massive outpouring of the Holy Spirit, this exciting, exciting moment of God when God poured out upon humanity the presence that he desired to do so from the very start. But we see from these disciples, what do they do? Right? These 120 followers of Jesus, they waited. They got themselves ready. They were intentional. They got themselves ready every day. So if what I'm saying isn't yet practical, that's okay. I'm going to give you some practical ideas. A couple of them are very simply this. Come join us on Sunday morning at 9 o'clock. 
Come join us. Come pray. Come pray and wait on God. If you want things in your life to shift and to change, come wait on God. Thursday afternoon, come wait on God. We have a prayer on Thursday afternoon as well. Come wait on God. If you want it, come get it. Now, those are just two options. Maybe some of you at home are thinking, or, or some of you who are going to watch this later are thinking, I'm not super comfortable with groups and gathering. That's fine. Go wait at the beach at 9 o'clock on Sunday. What's stopping you? What's stopping us from, I don't know, go drive down to the beach and sit on the beach and wait on the Lord for 30 minutes, for five minutes? There's really actually not much stopping us, is there? Just us. And whether we want $1,000 or $100, how much do we value our relationship with Jesus Christ in these moments, right? Now, <laughs> I want you to dream with me. I want you to dream with me. What would happen to our city, to our neighborhoods, to our friends, to our family, if we waited on God. I want you all who are watching this at home in your vehicles and here sitting, I want you to just close your eyes and I want you to just take a moment. I want you to dream with me. I want you to think of the people that you know need Jesus so desperately in their lives and I want you to dream about them meeting Jesus. That moment you met Christ yourself and felt freedom now dream, dream with me. Dream about your friends and your neighbors meeting Jesus for the first time. Because you decided to wait on the Holy Spirit so that he could speak through you. Dream about them. I dream about days when we can't fit people in any church in town. Well, there's no room in any church. I dream of those days. I dream of days when our prayer service needs to become the service because there's no prayer hasn't stopped. I dream of days when we have a pile of wheelchairs here because Jesus is healing people That every church has a pile outside of their doors. Because Jesus is there. Holy Spirit is there. Dream of that. Do you know what it takes? Getting dressed. <laughs> getting up, getting dressed, and waiting for God. That's what it takes takes a decision to show up just like they did they worshiped him they returned to jerusalem with great joy and they stayed continually at the temple praising god they just stayed there and they waited amen well lord we just dream of these days
We welcome. Father, we welcome the time when your spirit is flowing in us and through us. Jesus, in this moment, help us. Help us to take off our spiritual pajamas and be about your work, God. It's our desire. That's why we're here. Even the fact that we're here on a Sunday morning and we're inconvenienced. We're sitting in lawn chairs. We're sitting in our vehicles. We're sitting at home. We're being inconvenienced, Jesus, but we're choosing to do it because we love you. Help us, God. We just wait on you, Jesus. Let's just take a moment. Let's just, I want to I encourage you. We're actually going to, we're just going to try this out real quick. I want you guys and gals and everybody here to just take a moment. And remember that praying bit that I talked about? I want you in the next, I'll, I'll, I'll put a timer on. Oh, I don't have my phone on me. Uh, I'll, I'll give it about 30 seconds to a minute at max. And I want you to, in this next 30 seconds, I want you to start, and I want you to pray to God in this next 30 seconds or, or minute or whatever it is, and I want you to start with the first thing first is I want you to be honest with God about how you are feeling in this very moment. Just be honest with him. Just be straight up honest with him. And you can be happy. I'm not saying you have to be sad. I'm not saying you have to be hurt. I'm saying just be honest. So let's just take a moment. Let's be honest and tell him why. And then invite him into that situation. Invite him into it. So let's just do that real quick. Jesus, we thank you that you want to be in our situation. You don't want a a one-way subservient relationship. You want a relationship that's based around communication. So God, we just welcome you in this moment. Jesus, we welcome you. We welcome you into our dreams for our neighbors, for our family. We welcome you into our dreams. 
our hopeful dreams. We welcome you into those things. We ask that you would pour into them. Jesus, burn in us a desire to see those dreams come true. Burn in us a desire to see people meet a heavenly Father who truly loves them. Burn in us a desire, Jesus. Burn in us a desire to wait. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to say it again. I'm asking you to take off your spiritual pajamas and let's be about the Father's business. Because those dreams that you were just thinking about, that's His business. That is His business. Those people, they're His business. And He loves them like He loves you. He desires them like He desires you. Amen? Amen? Oh, well, the Lord bless you. We're gonna, I'm going to invite the team up one more time. We're going to have one more song. Oh, yes, actually before. Thank you, Lynn. I told her to remind me. We're actually going to just spend a second. We're going to pray for Israel. So I'm going to invite the team up. We're going to pray for Israel. Lord, we just lift up Israel right now in Jesus' name. Father, we release peace over it in Jesus' name. God, we just, we speak your peace into that conflict in Jesus' name. God, we actually, we are praying it this morning at 9 o'clock. Lord, the leaders of Hamas, we pray that you would encounter them, Jesus. And they would have a dramatic encounter with a living Jesus. That they would meet you. And they would see what a true God is. One that loves them, that desires them. And their hearts would be changed forever. Lord, over the Palestinian people, God, we just pray right now that their hearts would be comforted in, in this conflict, Jesus. That you would meet them. Send your ministering angels to minister to them in Jesus' name. And into Israel, send them there to minister to them in Jesus' name. Father, over the, over the military, God, who is thrust into the forefront of this, God, we just pray for your protection. God, we pray for the peace of Israel in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, let's, uh, let's continue to worship this morning.